Zoltan, Ivan, Chris, and Charlie knew what they were doing when they made Andy James a new permanent member of Five Finger Death Punch. Guitar virtuoso, metal guitarist of Instagram and YouTube star. But how did he get here? We're about to find out. Welcome to the podcast, Andy James of Five Finger Death Punch. It's <laughs> good. Uh, yeah, you yeah. haven't had that big Five Finger Death Punch crowd in a while. So I'm like, wow. Right, yeah. No, it's been... Um... March last year, so it's been a good 14, 15 months, something like that. Wow. What was your last show? Do you remember? Like, do you remember where it was? I think it was Sofia, Bulgaria. I think mm -hmm. hopefully I didn't get the place in the country mixed up because I sort of came in halfway through and then was trying to, you know, figure out where we were. Well, I believe you more than any other guitarist, you know, to get that right. I believe you over another American metal guitarist. You know, like right, if anyone, yeah, yeah. you would get it right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so besides all the band stuff, I want to know about you. How was your day today? Yeah, not too bad. Tried to get my car fixed this morning couldn't i'm finding out that america is very different in terms of trying to get things done quickly uh the uk is a lot smaller you can just turn up to a quick fit and get your car sorted whereas here you got to book it in and then a week later get it fixed but then it kind of fixed itself so that was good did you kick and then, it no no i did go over a bump <laughs> and the engine light went off and i was like oh cool it's fixed i don't have to go and get it sorted but no i'm still going to get it looked at anyway because i've got yeah. to drive quite a long way and couple of weeks yeah. but no and then just did some shopping you know usual rock star stuff <laughs> totally that's funny i did a headbangers con episode one time where i just went grocery shopping with the singer of pod and he was like this guy likes these crackers and this guy likes bananas so yeah, yeah it's total rock star stuff totally yeah i mean like i say you gotta eat and you know snack and stuff otherwise yeah. we die you know how have you been spending your days out in vegas well, I relocated here, what, January at the beginning of this year. And then uh, I was kind of just staying with Zoltan for a bit and, you know, getting used to Vegas and everything. And then I've recently just got my own place. So I've just been sorting that out, really getting furniture in here and, and all that, building a studio. I've only just started getting a setup together where I can do videos and stuff. Because I used to do quite a lot of videos, like teaching and stuff like that. And, you know, performance videos and stuff, which I had a studio back home, which I built. But yeah, just... Haven't had anywhere to kind of do that stuff for a while. So, uh, yeah, just basically been getting settled in. Between that and popping in the studio now and again for, like, album number nine, Absolutely. which is underway. It is underway. And you, I mean, as a woman, you have uh, curtains behind you. So you're doing really good on your new place. Well, the curtains, curtains were already here, so I can't take ah. <laughs> But it did take me hours to build that fucking TV unit. <laughs> I should have yeah, hired someone. Yeah, I mean, like, hey, guitar tech, get over here. Can we well, learn? yeah, but the problem is, is I'm normally okay with that sort of stuff. The instructions, they were, like, worse than Ikea ones. You know, they didn't uh, even tell you, like, the next step. You just get a new picture with three things added to it, and you're like, how did that happen? So, yeah, it took a while. That's it. That's <laughs> not, very, <laughs> not very exciting, unfortunately. And then just trying to fit in... Uh, going through stuff again because we've got a few festivals coming up in the next few weeks so trying to get back so, on top of it again yeah so it's just all about getting ready for those festivals it's been hurry up and wait now it's kind of like all right this is go time this is what we've been waiting for yeah exactly it's gonna be i don't know weird i've been to like a hockey game and some other kind of event since the restrictions have lifted in vegas and it's kind of felt a little bit weird which is weird just kind of feel normal doing normal stuff you know what i mean given the the last sort of year and a half or whatever yeah things are slowly getting back to normal the uk though is a little bit different i'm kind of glad i'm not there at the moment because it just seems like it's crazy over there i don't know what's going on but yeah it's surprisingly upbeat yeah yeah well you know <laughs> <laughs> i mean but, yeah i'm just kind yeah. of happy that, that here you know we can do because uh, i know they had like a pilot festival for download a few weeks ago which was like ten thousand people and it was you know the closest thing that we've had to like a proper gig gathering since all this began yeah like i say it's going to be weird going back out on stage again and you know remembering what it's like to kind of do a gig basically yeah so looking forward to it definitely but it's kind of going to be like get the first song out of the way and be like yeah okay i still remember yeah. what i'm doing you know yeah exactly i was at a show a few days ago and i was talking to one of my friends in a band and i was like i don't know how to act right now like my energy level i like go from here and then i'm like calm down and then it's like yeah. oh you can be excited and I literally was, ha, ah, 
like I don't know what to do and I don't know how to act right now. I know I've had the same feeling to be honest like going into even just going for a drink in a bar or whatever like you'll go in and and just sort of stand do I stand at the bar do I wait to be seated do I, do I stand here can I go over there because you just feel like at every turn you're going to get a tap on the shoulder going excuse me uh, you can't stand there you got to go and do this do you know what I mean because yeah. it has kind of been like that for a while now so yeah in Texas I live alone so I was pretty much alone during shutdown and then right. I was just leaving and smiling at everyone but I was freaking people out because I was just like big smiling at people because I was looking at them and it's weird yeah yeah Very well smiling nice. with a mask on as well so did they know you were smiling or I mean look at these eyes oh okay <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Well, um, I want to say as a red-blooded American woman, I do love your tribal tattoos. Big fan. They look really good on you. Oh, really? Yeah. I I hear they haven't like really aged that well, to be honest, but I don't know. Well, I've never met you in person. (laughs) No, no. I mean, when I got them, they were kind of like, you know, popular, I suppose. And I did, I've kind of had that one for a while, but weirdly, because I've got more than obviously just the tribal tattoos, like anyone does any artwork or anything, like kind of sleeveless for a gig or whatever, it's usually the only thing that gets tattooed on me. So it's kind of like stand out, I suppose, even though some people would be like, look at your tribal tattoos, you know what I mean? But who cares? I, the way I look at it is it's kind of like an inked storyboard, you know? So like I'll look at my arms and it'll just remind me of different parts of my life and what I was doing. And so from that point of view, I kind of, you know, I like all of my stuff just because it reminds me of periods of my life, you know, which I guess is probably the point of it, maybe. I don't know. For some yeah. people anyway. Yeah, I love that. But when are you going to get a face tattoo like Ivan? Um, I don't know I don't know if I could bring myself I mean not saying that it's not okay because obviously he's done it but yeah um, yeah, I don't know maybe I'll sort of you know get some tears or something but then again doesn't that represent how many people you've killed I don't know Um, it does yeah yeah. maybe maybe don't do that then maybe don't do that but yeah and don't get just one base tattoo get like seven just get the whole thing done yeah just keep on going man just keep on going so you're in Vegas I've been asking everyone because I've had so many people I think like the whole music industry moved to Vegas. I'm obsessed with Vegas. Haven't been back since pandemic, but everyone's moving there right now. Are there any rock bars that you hang out at? Like what places do you really like in Vegas? I've been to a whole bunch. I know there's a new one opened on the strip somewhere, which I need to go and check out. Um, There's like the Double Down, which is like a really kind of dive bar-ish type place, which is cool. Been there a few times. There's a place called Bootleggers, which is like a sort of old Rat Pack style Italian restaurant. Do really good meatballs there. It's on Vegas Boulevard. That's cool. Yeah, just places like that, really. I'm not really much of a kind of, you know, being a place where there's loads of people anyway, or like, you know, going to like club clubs or anything like that. So I haven't done anything like that, really. I think the most crowded thing I've done is the hockey game, one of the playoff games for the Knights against Montreal which we lost. Did you go with Chris? One of the games I went with, actually my first ever game I, I went to here, I went with Chris because he had a spare thing. He was, you know, if you're going to be in Vegas, you need to experience what hockey's like. So it was cool enough. He just texted me up and went, oh, you know, let's go. So we did. Can't remember who it was against now, but I just remember thinking at the beginning of the game, I was watching it thinking, yeah, this is pretty cool. You know, good atmosphere, sort of fast paced game. And by the end of it, I was going, you know, I started proper getting into it. <laughs> so yeah, I was kind of uh, caught the bug after that and then yeah. started following on Instagram and following the games. And then another friend of Zoe's, but I guess he's kind of become a friend of mine as well. He um, he just invited us to go, go and uh, see one of those games. But that was pretty cool because it was actually behind the glass. So the first time we went, it was like in the middle of the rink, but so you could see equally both ends. And then this one was behind the home end. So that was kind of gnarly because it's a different way to watch the games, especially like when, you know, some of the players, they like just smack up against the glass and stuff. You know what I mean? And it, actually at one point, if there wasn't the glass there at all, I've ended up, I'd have ended up with a puck where my face is, you know, because one just literally came like that. Scared the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. That was really <laughs> yeah. good fun, actually. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, besides that, did you watch the game with the ankle break? The Conor McGregor one. <sighs> yeah, so yeah. bad. Yeah, that ankle. Ugh, it still like freaked me out. I almost threw up the first time I saw it, and I don't get queasy, but I saw that. And I was like, oh my god. Yeah. Well, I didn't but- even notice it happened because I'd seen he kicked him like earlier in the in the fight, and uh, I think they must have when they were playing the replays. I think they kind of figured out that he must have done something, but he kind of looked all right after that. And then, yeah, I don't know. He was uh, 
he was getting a beating anyway, really. Kind of thought that the guy was going to do him anyway before he got up and started fighting again. But yeah, I hadn't noticed he'd done that to his foot until he was sitting on the floor. And then he was like moving his leg around, pointing to the guy, and it's broken, it's broken, and it was just flopping there. But I could deal with that kind of uh, a couple of months ago. Can't remember the fighter now. Literally the first hit in the fight just literally went in for a, a shin kick and broke his own shin. And I don't think he realized, but there was a massive crack. And then when he put his leg back down, it had folded the other way. And it was just like, oh, that was pretty, that was pretty intense. That's insane. That's even, so I, every, yeah. That, oh, oh. Every time I watch UFC now and I see they're doing the leg kicks, I'm like, because I think they're going to they're gonna break again, you know? I know. I feel like I could never like watch it the same ever again. Like, oh, let's watch a fight. And I'm like, oh God, no, 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 yeah. not at all. Yeah. So uh, listening to you play, watching you play, there's no question on why Five Finger Death Punch hired you. The videos I watch of you playing don't even look real. You play so fast. They really don't. But I think we all want to know how you got there. So let's start at the beginning. What, the very beginning beginning? or I had some like ways to frame the beginning. Yes, I want to know about childhood, things like that, or like what kind of crazy teenager you were. Have you ever seen the movie Almost Famous? Uh, once, yeah, okay, uh, probably so about a couple of years ago. So I don't remember it that much, but yeah. So the very end of the movie, he finally gets his interview and he leans in real close and he's like, what do you love about music? And I've always thought that was a really beautiful way just to pay homage to the passion of what you really love about music. So right. the beginning, the way that I would phrase it, and we'll talk about your beginning, beginning, how you look at it. Why have you dedicated your life to music and what do you love about it? Okay. I kind of expressed an interest in music fairly early on, probably around the age of five or six, but we had like a piano in the house. So I just used to kind of, you know, mess around on that or whatever. I don't know. It kind of made sense in a way, just sitting down and playing things that, you know, melodic things that worked in key with itself, you know. So I could tell, you know, what note would sound good after the next note and the next note sort of thing, I suppose, in a very basic way. But And then towards the end of the 80s, a lot of the kids were literally like, Guns and Roses and I think Paradise City had just come out and I was too young to buy that anyway because it was explicit lyrics so you had to be like 18 and over to buy that thing anyway so I might have been my brother bought it for me because I'd heard the song a couple of times on the radio and I was I was into it and I uh, found out what album it came off and it was uh, Appetite for Destruction obviously and then yeah so I had the cassette tape of that and then I just remember kind of listening to the outro solo for like Night Train and I was just like I don't know why for some reason that song over all the other songs on the, on the record I wanted to do that I didn't know how I was going to do it and I didn't own a guitar and it wasn't until years later I picked up the guitar anyway so I think I was about eight or nine when that came out or was it 87 or 88 something like that I would have been six or seven maybe I don't know I can't remember Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, so don't was, look at me. <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't until I started going to this school in uh, in Brighton, which is like South England. There was a, a friend of mine there. Was, his dad had just gone out and like bought him a guitar for like the weekend and stuff. And he had like a stack of books and he had to have some Guns N' Roses books in amongst all of that. So I started kind of reading and getting my head around, you know, the tab notation, which is basically fret numbers on strings and it just tells you where to put your fingers, basically. And then I started going through a bunch of that stuff and found out about some other Guns N' Roses albums. And I guess I was kind of gravitating towards Slash as an influence, but I didn't really kind of realize it. I just, I liked the sound of them and the songs and the, and the leads and stuff. And I hadn't really been exposed to a huge amount of other guitar playing before that point. So it was really the only first thing that I'd, I'd heard. So yeah, I started going through that and picking it up pretty quickly, which to me didn't seem weird, but it, it seemed odd to people around me. And I started to notice that maybe I kind of was doing something because people would be like, oh, I'll play such and so, I'll play it. And then, you know, you get a good reaction rather than a bad one. And I suppose that's how you navigate through life is how people react towards you, I suppose. And you, you change things depending on whether it's good or bad, I suppose. So yeah, just sort of carried on with that really. And then I kind of just carried on playing that stuff. I think I got into maybe some like Skid Row stuff as well. And then I, I discovered like Joe Satriani and, and that kind of thing. But I remember, right, because I only had the record of Surfing with the Alien and I had like this old record player that was just, I think it was given to me with a stack of records. And uh, I, I remember, because I, I really liked the cover of this thing and someone had mentioned that, oh, Joe Satriani, you know, should check out this, this guitar player. And so I was like, yeah, cool. So I, I had the thing and it looked cool because it had like the, the alien on the front with the whole red cover and everything. And I put the record in and then I played it and I was just like, Jesus Christ, this is insane. It just sounded almost sped up, right? But the funny thing is, is it was because... 
I don't know if you remember, but the old record players used to have like kind of speed up lever on it. Like it would actually make records play faster. I think it's because like if you put another style record on there and you speed it up, it plays it at normal speed. I don't know how that works. But then I kind of realized that after a while, I've been listening to this surf with the Alien album on double speed. <laughs> so actually, like when, when I figured out that it wasn't, it wasn't right, I think someone had said, what are you doing listening to it like this? It's not meant to go like that. Because I, I had no idea, never heard it, you know. And I suppose when you're like that young, you just don't realize that you're listening to something that's sped up. I mean, obviously, if someone played me something like that now, I'd be like, oh, yeah, it's, it's not the right speed at all. So anyway, I found the, the speed lever, put it back down. And then I was like, and then it just seemed incredibly slow. So I don't know whether psychologically that kind of did something to me in my head where I was just like, yeah, I reckon I could play that or, you know, get somewhere close to it. So then I actually started learning some of that stuff as well. And then, yeah, I got into like extreme. So, you know, early Nuno Betancourt playing and stuff. Um, was really into that stuff for a long time. I really like his, his note choice and his kind of like aggressive percussive sound that he has. So I was gravitated towards a more of a kind of aggressive picking style, I suppose, than I did anything because Satriani's quite a fluid player and although I like a lot of that stuff I always struggled with that particular technique personally so I kind of moved away from that and got more into players that were you know like picked everything so later on I got into guys like uh, you know Paul Gilbert Zach Wild John Petrucci all those guys that are just have killer right hands you know so I kind of gravitated towards that style of playing later on as I, as I progressed but I remember I didn't really expand my knowledge as a guitar player until I hit 16 and I'd finished school. I went to college, which was actually like recording, kind of performing, writing, recording course more than actually learning how to play guitar. So it was more a case of taking what I'd already done up to that point and trying to maybe get in a band or go and do some stuff and actually play some gigs because that was kind of the next thing for me. It's like, okay, I've spent too much time in my bedroom now. I need to see if I can play live, if you like. So when I got there, there was this guy in the year above on the course and I just remember he was playing all sorts of like different music and stuff like that I think he was playing because I'd already heard of Mr Big at this point so I'd kind of started getting into Paul Gilbert but I didn't know about Racer X or anything like that which is the band he was in when he before that when he was a lot younger and just some of the playing on, on that was just incredible and then he was listening to like Paul Gilbert, Yngwie Malmsteen, Zach Wilde, John Petrucci so when I hit 16 I just been exposed to all of this music that I didn't know existed before. So that year for me was like, it blew my mind really with like the amount of stuff I thought, right, okay, fuck, I've got a lot of work to do. You know, if I want to kind of get any cl anywhere close to anything like what I was hearing. And at that point, my influences kind of expanded so much. I had so much stuff to get through. I stopped learning whole songs and I started learning just bits and pieces. Everything that kind of like buzzed me the most about all the different players that I discovered from that point onward, I started to learn. So if there was like a Zach Wild solo, for example, but there was a section of that solo, I would learn that rather than the whole thing. And then I guess over the years, my playing has just become an amalgamation of all the favorite parts of different guitar players that I like, which has sort of shaped my own way of approaching stuff so I mean I you know when I play now I don't think oh what would such and such do in this bit you know I just kind of play and whatever comes out comes out but I think for the longest time I probably did think that way like oh what would Zach Wilde do here or what would Andy Timmons do there or you know so you'd have like these mix and match kind of bits just joined together but I guess that's kind of how influences work you let them kind of like guide you for as long as you kind of need that and then you feel like okay I think I can go it alone here and try and create my own voice if you like because I guess at the end of the day that's trying to create a sound where like someone can hear you and go oh yeah that's such and such you know it doesn't get lost in the sea of I mean I'm not saying I have done that but I, I always try and you know play things that I think might be attached to, to me in the way I play I guess it's but, so funny sorry it was a bit of a long-winded like no no that's exactly what I was going to know and I mean it's just so full circle listening to you because you said that you were listening to this going like oh my god how can this guy play so fast and it was double time but I watched videos of you and it doesn't seem real that you can play that fast right it, it does it to me like what you were watching so that's very full full circle on that because what you do now just doesn't even seem real or possible I've seen so many guitar players I just don't I just I don't see people go that fast very often so right I hear what you're saying I suppose the speed element is kind of one of the things that I worked on fairly early on I suppose because funnily enough now it really isn't the focus at all although you know obviously it's still present in stuff that I'm doing but I guess when I was younger I thought that the way to impress people would be to 
try and play as fast as possible. Because I suppose in a way, when I did manage anything up to speed around that time, the reaction from people was like, oh God, you know, that's fucking, that's fucking really fast or great or whatever. I know but I then, feel bad. Now I'm people. I'm like, oh yeah, you're playing so fast. I'm so impressed. No, I'm no, like, no. damn it, I'm people. No. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't mean it like that. I just spent like, just generally being aware of people's reaction to what you're doing, I suppose. Mm. But the funny thing is, I quickly realized that I had a lot of work to do I mean this goes back to like when I joined college again because I hadn't really been in a band until that point so I'd never played with any I mean I you know jammed with a bass player friend of mine for a few years in like a, a garage and but we were playing like Guns N' Roses songs we were playing songs that had already been written and you just learn the parts and play them and just have fun and jam out but when it comes to like writing your own stuff and being in a room with three other or four other guys and you've all got to agree that this is how it goes and then you've got to do it and then you've got to get people to your gig and they've got to enjoy what you do as well and then you know you start learning actually the technique is only such a small part of what's important like when when trying to sort of because ultimately when you focus just on speed it becomes like a competition I suppose you get pitted up against people for like how fast you can be or whatever but like music doesn't require that same competition because it's definitely in the ear of the beholder you know if they like it they like it if they don't they don't and it doesn't really come down to how technical it is or how fast it is I suppose they either like, like it or they don't and started to learn that people enjoyed music as a whole rather than just the individual sum of its parts if you know what I mean I mean it didn't happen immediately it took a long time for me to let go of the idea that speed was the thing that because I was still doing it even like the first couple of solo albums maybe the first three solo albums especially the one I did in 2011 I was trying to find my voice if you like as like an instrumental guitar player in terms of how would I write you know, songs that don't sound like Satriani or Steve Vai or, you know, because it's so, because they're such great players and monumental legends in that field, there's certain things that you have to avoid in order to not sound like them and try and do your own thing. It took me a while to try and find my own voice in terms of how I was going to like write songs and present myself that way. And I suppose at that point, I, I was thinking, well, look, I, you need to write songs that obviously guitar players, because that's the market that you're aiming for. But it's trying to put it into a framework that is actually song based as well. So trying to kind of like bring the two together, I suppose in a way, like when I got into metal, the first metal band that I really got into was Killswitch Engage, right? I was uh, around a friend of mine and he was out for the day or something like that. And I think I woke up in the lounge because I was just sleeping on the sofa and I just put like a music thing on. And I was just like watching thing and this song came on and I was just like, fucking hell, this is amazing right and uh, I mean the song turned out to be End of Heartache but I couldn't remember the name of the song I could only remember the name of the band right so when I went to HMV which is like a chain store that we used to have for like CDs and stuff like that I was looking through the Killswitch Engage records and there was a few of them and I was like fuck I don't know I can't remember the name of the song blah, blah, blah. so I ended up getting this album and when I put the album in I started playing it and I was just like musically this sounds like the same band but this is not the same singer I was I didn't know that they had two singers because obviously Howard was came in after you know when Jesse left so I ended up getting a lot of just breathing which actually turns out to be one like one of my favorite kill switch records anyway i later then found out that the song was in the heartache and then i got that record as well and i think that ultimately shaped my approach to playing heavier music but in a kind of like structured way and like how they would do it so then when i was doing that album back in 2011 I was already in a band called Sacred Mother Tongue at the time, which is kind of fairly, you know, metal core anyway, kill switch influence, you know, with a bunch of other stuff as well. So when it comes to doing the instrumental thing, I kind of took that influence and pushed it into, you know, more guitar oriented music without vocals. And I think that album was really the beginning of me making sense of like how I was going to present myself as a guitar player and a musician with the music that I liked you know, the heavy style of what I liked with the kind of more shred thing and having the melodic thing. Because I think with Killswitch, they had like these kind of like screaming verses and then these amazing epic choruses, right? And I kind of thought about doing that in the same way with, with the guitar playing. It's kind of like having the kind of shreddy parts in the verses and then having these like chorus themes that be like epic guitar parts, you know? And that's kind of where it started for me, writing that style of music anyway. It's actually funny listening to you talk about Killswitch Engage. I had Jesse on the podcast like two episodes before you. Yeah, I think so, I saw something about that, yeah. Yeah, so everything you're talking about of, like, when he left and when he came back and, like, how he internally dealt with that, it's, like, really interesting. It was all about demons that he battled. And when he came back, it was him just leaving him in himself the way that he had to. So it's really cool. Like, it's very, demons are real. Yeah. And the things we go through and the voices inside of our heads yeah, and yeah. things like that. It was, yeah, it's really interesting. But I love that that's, you know, one, 
of the bands that got you into it. Would you say, and this is something I kind of wonder about your playing, has there been different parts of your life where you played differently because you felt differently? Like, have you gone through really heavy times because you were pissed off and angry and then you went through like a happier time and you let off the gas a little bit? Like, does it correlate for you emotionally how you play? No, I mean, I would say I'm pretty emotionally even you know like I don't really have like I mean now anyway I don't really have like the, the sort of like ups and downs and I suppose just my general being has kind of always been like that but having said that like younger I suppose I would have these like bouts of because I get like really stressed out so I'd be fine but if I get stressed then everything's fucked you know so I kind of have those like moments um but in terms of like writing I suppose no not really I mean but different flavors happen on on albums so say like I'll go through albums and, and have the angrier songs and then the kind of ballady songs and stuff like that but I think the layout of an album certainly kind of pushes you into thinking about how many different things you're going to put into it because I, I guess if I was just going to make like a completely heavy album from start to finish that was all shred and had no melodic parts I don't know how much of a, an enjoyable listen that would be and then on the flip side I don't know if I was going to write a whole album of kind of ballady songs how that would every time I approach a record there's usually like dials of songs that I'll gravitate towards and then they almost become like sort of like an imaginary template if you like and then yeah at that point it becomes how I feel at the time depending on you know what's going on yeah so I do get emotionally attached to my music but I kind of don't at the same time I suppose because of the online culture, if you like. I mean, I write stuff that buzzes me and I write stuff that I like or whatever, but you know that you're not going to please everyone, right? So I've kind of switched off from putting too much of myself in a song and then having somebody come along and completely destroy it. And then I'd just be completely done in by someone's, you know, abject negativity, you know what I mean? So I try not to get too attached to the stuff that I do. I just know that if I'm true to myself and I write something that I'm like, okay, yeah, this buzzes me and I, I can listen to it and I don't, because I, I never wanted to be one of those people that cringes when one of their songs comes on or, or something that they've spent a lot of time on and just go, oh no, I can't listen to myself. I never wanted to be that. Way. so like the last what two albums that I've done I don't feel that way at all like if it comes on or someone's playing something or I don't know rarely it'll be out <laughs> I'll be out in public and something that I've done comes on I don't really yeah I don't shy away from it at all I just listen to it and go yeah still cool <laughs> That's it, you know. But that's only my opinion. That's not, you know, I know there's people out there that have heard my stuff and just fucking hate it, you know, but that's just the nature of the, the game. But I suppose after years and years and playing guitar, your experience just tells you how to approach a certain emotion, if you like. So if you know that you're going for a certain type of song, you know what fits into that mood and then you start messing around with those kind of ideas and then how something makes you feel on the replay. Like there's a song that I did on not the last record, the record before that called After Midnight, right? And I was kind of like, I knew what I, I wanted. I wanted something because I'd been listening to a lot of The Midnight, you know, that kind of 80s retro wave throwback band. And I quite liked how they had this sort of dark, almost like raining back alley type sound to their music. I don't really know if that makes any sense, but in my mind, it conjures up like Blade Runner and stuff like that. You know, so I kind of had this image in my mind of something or creating something that would be that would fit into that, that image. So I suppose emotionally from that point of view, I started to think about how I was going to do that. And then I found some cool sounds or whatever, just started messing around with it. And then it kind of grew from there, really. But yeah, so sometimes I do have those feelings and stuff that I want to not necessarily how I'm feeling at the time, but how I how I can pull that emotion from writing a piece of music and then hopefully other people can feel that as well I don't know it's really hard to explain but yeah I haven't like broken up with a girlfriend or a partner or whatever and just fucking gone oh, done into that I'm gonna write a song and then that be that I've never done that or been like fuck yeah I'm really happy I'm gonna write this song kind of doesn't really happen like that for me it's more it's more conceptual and then I understand what I need to put into that concept to make it happen and then use my feelings as I'm doing it to kind of steer the direction of the song I suppose that's a better way of putting it yeah that was my question there do you feel things and then go oh fuck this or do you feel things and go oh yeah so like that was my question oh so, yeah yeah absolutely. I mean if I if I'm sitting there and it doesn't buzz me or it sucks or whatever and mm -hmm. I just don't get excited about it or if I've heard it over and over and over again and it starts to wind me up then yeah I'll just I'll just bin it off because yeah. I, I feel like because that's the other thing as well I feel like if you're an artist and you're creating something and you either hate it or you don't like the way you sound or you don't like the way you look and it's kind of like well how are you going to sell this to somebody else or expect them to feel more about it than what you do and you're the one creating it so I suppose for me I just work on stuff until I'm 
well happy with it and then that's it you know and then it goes off into the world and my feelings towards it will be completely bulletproof from any other opinions positive or negative because I know that I can just listen to it and be like yeah that's cool like I wouldn't change it so I try and get to that point and then you know whatever happens happens after that I love that and inadvertently you kind of brought up something that I hate talking about in interviews it's the question that I can't stand more than anything hey so what advice do you have for young blah 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 and I hate that question the reason why I I hate that question you either have it or you don't you either got it or you don't so like that's kind of like are you on or are you not on and you're saying you don't fucking believe in yourself no one else is going to so get off that shit it's not effective go like I mean like that's the best advice if you don't believe in you no one else will so Mm. quit shit talking yourself I mean it's funny because you kind of touched upon a point where I suppose there is a point where there are some people that become really attached to what they do and they love what they do but on the sort of like objective opinion about it it sucks I guess like not a lot of people are going to listen to something that's kind of out of tune out of time not very well played but you know you've got somebody that works so hard on it and then they're trying to put it out there and they're getting frustrated with the fact that they're not getting response I think it's one thing to kind of be confident like know how to put something together that you know is going to be universally accepted by other people you want to kind of try and do stuff where the only opinion that someone has of your music is whether they like the song or not as opposed to picking it apart because you know maybe the production sucks or maybe like the guitar wasn't played well enough do you know what I mean like all these kind of abstract things that don't really matter when the song I suppose is the thing that that should be the focus I try and do it so like I mean I suppose it's difficult because everyone's going to have an opinion on everything so if you think production's great someone else might think it sucks if you think a guitar player's great someone else might think it sucks but I suppose it gets put into this general pool of it's good as a thing do you like it or don't you like it kind of thing so it's a bit bit more of a broad stroke emotional approach to how someone creates something but there usually are fundamental checklists at least for me that I go through before I put a song out you know as to whether people are going to like it or not and that's just objectively on the music nothing else it takes a long time to kind of get to that point and obviously people I think you have to kind of like pick your battles with who you listen to and who you don't general public you know YouTube and all that kind of stuff if I don't know them or I don't or I feel like someone's just shit talking for the sake of shit talking it's not really an opinion that I'm going to take on board do you know what I mean but like if it's somebody that I know personally and I trust and we have like similar tastes in music or stuff like that or it's somebody that I look up to and then they're the ones that are like because I respect their opinion I know that what they've done before is good and I've enjoyed it and if they have an opinion about what I'm doing and they might go yeah it's cool but you might want to consider this that and the other then that's how you kind of learn to get to that point where you can just start creating and sort of like know that objectively within itself it's good it just depends on whether people like the vibe of whatever you're doing I suppose so it's hard to explain like because I sucked for a long time because a guitar player before I got to a point where I felt comfortable enough with showing it to the world so that period of sucking I knew I knew I did and I was kind of eager to learn from people that didn't suck as much as me so I could kind of like move to the next level so you know you always have to be open constructive criticism yeah exactly because if you don't you'll never kind of like grow if you think that everything you do is amazing and, and you've got nothing to learn then you've got nowhere to go but at the same time when you're writing your own music you kind of have to go through that period to get to a point where you go okay from what I've learned and my experience of what is good and what is bad I know that where this sits on the spectrum of that and then I can be and then I can start to kind of build from that if you know what I mean I think people need to get their when they're doing like music or whatever or anything it doesn't matter whether it's music or building houses or whatever you know most people have to train to a point where they know that their base level is accepted across the board and then you can build on that if you know what I mean I feel like there are some people that kind of don't listen to anybody else think they know it all and they haven't done the base level work either and then wonders why people aren't into their stuff and then when you tell them they suck or you try and be constructive about what it is that they're doing they get really angry because you know maybe deep down they kind of know but they don't want to admit it I mean I've had that before like because you know going back to your question about have they got it or have they not I mean musical talent that I think does play a role but I think it plays a role in terms of how quickly you can like learn stuff and then that extra I don't know couple of percent that you have is like an awareness of the thing that you're doing and that can sometimes pit you above quite a lot of other people that are doing it I remember like my mum used to say to me like you know well obviously you want to do music for a living but like you know how can you know that you're going to be successful when everyone else tries it and and they don't and it's like well you 
you don't know that but you you have this inner thing that tells you that oh, i don't know i think i i think i just might have this thing that a lot of other people don't have you don't know what that is you can't explain what it is and you just kind of understand but you you still have to nurture it and do the work you know you can't just rely on that so i think people that have that generally kind of stand above other people that don't but it's not to say that you can't put the work in and become great player or whatever it is that you're doing but yeah i think you always have to be a student of the game and you always have to be like how can this be better how can this be but in at the same point know that what you're doing is already good you just need to learn how to refine it and make it better if you can you know what i mean rather than you know sitting back and going yeah this is this is the best it's ever going to be so i'm just gonna stay with that if you know what i mean something really cool about what you said for me music and the music industry is my passion and i've never wanted to be in a band i can't sing like amy lee from evanescence so if i can't be her i don't i want to do everything else one funny thing that stood out in life when i was figuring out that i want to do this and this is like passion and this is what i want to go after every time i made an accomplishment in my life or i got a job or like something cool really happened and it didn't happen to be in the music industry or have something to do with the music industry I got sad. So I would achieve something like, oh, I got this job. And then I would get sad. I'd be like, oh, I did this. And oh, but it's not, it's not hosting. It's not interviewing. And then I would get sad. And that, that for me was always the thing of like, oh, oh, but you're not doing your dream. You're not going to Maybe the universe is trying to tell you something. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I understand what you're saying. Totally. Yeah. I mean, school was kind of like that for me. I just always used to sit there and like mouse of science and just be like, fuck, I'm never going to need this. I don't need, you know, I'm just sitting there. It's not like I'm well, sort of stupid or whatever, but I, I failed school miserably. I just, I don't know about you. I think you have to have like um, a want to do something in order to kind of apply yourself in the right way. Otherwise, if you, if you can't, you're just going through the motions. You never really get the most out of it. So it kind of ends up being a bit of a waste of time, really. I mean, one of the main reasons why I got into music as well was kind of like a social acceptance, I suppose. Like, there's not a lot of kids that I knew that I was at school with were playing guitar or, or doing anything like that. So it kind of puts you in a bit of a minority. And when you do something that other people can't really fathom or understand, they just like, oh my God, you know, you play three chords and it'd be the most amazing thing. You know? So I guess for that um, was another reason I got into it. We just watch you all day long <laughs> and we go, I just couldn't fathom, I couldn't imagine. And that's what we, it's kind of funny that you say that because now we just wow. all watch you and we're like, I couldn't imagine that's in another category of something I could never do. Wow. So it's <laughs> funny to hear you say that. That's what it is now. Like now we're up there watching you on stage going, wow, da, da. wow, that's okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's kind of, it's funny in it. Like, people's mm-hmm. perception of you and then how you know because obviously you you're the only one that lives in your body and you you're looking outwards everyone's kind of looking in so i suppose mm-hmm. for me like i just if i go in my studio or whatever i just pick up a guitar and just start doing something you don't really think about the pathway to all those years and hours and hours and hours of practice you know getting to that point to where you try and forget most of that and you you just try and instinctively do something um, when you're not thinking about any of that at all but yeah you just kind of take it for granted I can't really remember a time in my life now where I wasn't able to just grab a guitar and do something with it I guess what I'm trying to say is it's, it's kind of it normalizes it quite a lot you know what I'm saying like you don't really sit there in awe or wonder of yourself like at all you know you just kind of do the thing that you do <laughs> yeah. and hope people like it and it doesn't put you off at the same time like what I was saying earlier if I can listen to something be like yeah I can live with that that's fine I guess that's the best you can hope for. But the days of being amazed at myself are definitely (laughs) non-existent, you know? Yeah, that's funny. So I have a question. Do you ever just sit down and play anything for fun? Like something that serves no purpose, but you feel like doing it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, quite a lot of the time, if I'm sitting there watching telly or whatever, thinking, oh, I don't know, just going, I fancy playing guitar. Like, not every time I pick up a guitar is for work. Quite often I'll just sit or I'll just... You know, I put the TV on. I'll just sit acoustically with a with one of my electric guitars because I don't have an acoustic here at the moment. Yeah, and just sit on and play unplugged and just kind of like noodle around. And sometimes when you're not concentrating on a particular thing and you're just noodling away, you might play something by accident where you'll be like, "Oh, that was cool." And then I'll just try and work on that. And then sometimes a song idea can come from that when you're not actually focused on writing a song. It just sort of happens. Other times, actually, that happens is when you don't even have an instrument in your hand at all. And <laughs> you'll have an idea pop into your head and you'll be like, fuck. And then you won't be able to get to a guitar quick enough to remember it. So I kind of take into like, I've got loads of voice notes on my phone now where I'm just singing badly into it going, oh, it's this riff. I've kind of got this idea and I'm almost describing it. But almost certainly... Every time I listen to them back and then I've got a guitar in my hand, the moment's gone, you know, so. 
Are you allowed to hum any riffs that are going to be on the new album? Is there one um, that you can... <laughs> no, no, I mean, you don't. I mean, yeah, I'm, that's the funny thing. It's like, I can tell if something's in tune and out of tune, obviously, but... I'm yeah, out of my... tune. That's me. <laughs> Atonal, yeah. Um, I don't really have a voice. Like, I can't control my vocal cords in, in a way that, that would be satisfactory for anyone to like <laughs> lend their ears to you know yeah. so yeah I'm, I'm not gonna do that but actually there isn't really a lot of what's happening in the studio I kind of like hashing out ideas and stuff I don't think I've heard anything yet that's that's fully like done finished or whatever I mean it's only been like a few weeks anyway and we're just talking about you know direction how it's gonna how it's gonna be sound and all the rest of it but obviously I mean, I'm coming into a process that's already established. I mean, I'm only really kind of offering the odd opinion here and there when it's asked of me. Um, so I'm kind of working my way up to being able to sit and go, oh, yeah, what do you think of this? Or, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it's going to be like a new process for the rest of the guys in the band bringing in, you know, a new person. Because obviously Jason was a big part of the writing for this band and stuff like that. And I mean, there are a lot of similarities like between him and uh, me and him anyway. But like... 10 years prior to even joining the band, like I was a fan of Death Punch, so I'm well aware of his style and his playing. And I dare say some of that's even rubbed off, you know, because in a lot of modern bands nowadays, there isn't really a huge amount of guitar solos being played. So like when you're listening to like newer stuff, that's like a band, say like Death Punch, that's rose up in relatively recently compared to a lot of other bands that might have already had that in the band. I suppose it's probably one of the only bands that I would listen to that probably had guitar solos in over some of the more modern stuff that I listen to, you know. But obviously, like, I have my old influences that I always listen to, you know, older albums that I'll always put on and always play when I kind of feel in the mood and stuff like that. So, yeah, coming into this process after doing eight records or whatever, I'm going to be able to bring something cool, no doubt. I've kind of already, you know, thrown a few ideas here and there, and it's not been completely, no, that sucks or whatever. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll Yay. see how it goes. Yeah, <laughs> I, guess, yeah. I guess that so many people would ask, what is left for you to accomplish? And I guess that's really exciting. That must be what's exciting for you is getting more entrenched in the process of, you know, becoming more and more and more a longstanding band member because you get, you know, it's all a process of getting into the fold with every little bit of everything. So I bet people would say, like, what do you have left to accomplish? Blah, blah, blah. And I guess that must be the fun part for you is getting into that process and being able to develop alongside your new bandmate. Yes. Yeah, is that like your biggest excitement with it? Is that where you have left to go? Oh yeah. I mean, like, this is almost like starting again. I mean, it's not really because obviously I've, I've been playing guitar for like 27 years. It's not like I'm suddenly going to learn something new from that point of view, but I think the thing that I'm going to learn is definitely their process of how they do stuff. Because obviously you're working with multiple gold and platinum records selling like band and producer as well. You know what I mean? Because like, I mean, I mentioned that I went to school for like production and stuff like that when I was a lot younger and I never really kind of got back into it again until probably around two, 2015, 2016. Ever since then, Kevin Cherko and his son Kane Cherko as well, they've actually been sort of production influences of mine quite heavily in terms of like how to approach a mix or how to get something to sonically sit and, and do that kind of stuff. So it's pretty mad now to to be sitting in the same room as, as him and kind of trading ideas and talking about that. So yeah, that's, that's cool. Got a lot of stuff that I want to learn out of that. And also Zoltan's got a very unique mind when it comes to writing and coming up with ideas. And, you know, he's got a very kind of hands-on, almost kind of like back to basics approach with how he comes up with ideas and stuff like that but I think that's the kind of genius of it you know it's not really entrenched in I don't know how to kind of like put this really I think he just kind of like works very much in the moment and kind of like grabs ideas when they happen and you know he doesn't go in with like any sort of like preconceived idea he just wants to kind of like throw everything in and, and see what happens so that's kind of a, a much different way of working than say that I would sit down and work and very methodically kind of like work through stuff and, and only entertain certain ideas because I know they'll work um, so I guess you know from my my own point of view I, I work well within my kind of like comfort zone that I've built up over the last sort of 10 years or whatever of doing my stuff so it's kind of I'm a little bit out of my comfort zone with this kind of thing but it won't be for long because I'm a pretty fast learner with stuff like that anyway you know what I mean and it's really interesting to me to see another approach 
because it obviously works you know what I mean I'm uh, I'm excited to kind of insert myself into that in some way or another uh exciting so this funny little question I haven't done it in a while but what I always used to like to say to people I met on tour I feel like if they'd be like oh what's your name and I'd be like oh I'm just what's your name and then I would be like have you lost your soul yet you know like oh how many weeks on tour are you like have you lost mm-hmm. your soul yet and that just means like it's a funny joke you know from the grudges of touring but it yeah, means yeah. like do you still care are you still passionate or like is it dialed in this one way so I think it's like you're dialed in the technical like this is the formula but I love that Zoltan like after all of the success that he has had he still gets excited you know or like album album number nine you know the passion the fire of like where that all comes from because you got to kind of wonder if Sess there's uh you know the biggest producers in the world and Mm -hmm. I love that it's still like a spark that like gives you the idea and it's not just so regimented no I mean I have to agree kind of you know I haven't been around him so much for the last well five months I suppose it's like he's very kind of you know excited for the next phase of the band and like he's already got his kind of ideas about you know where it should go and uh, how it should be and stuff like that and like it's not just a kind of run of the mill thing oh another record you know we'll just do this we'll have this that and the other you know I mean obviously there is a process that they have which is kind of separate from that. But yeah, it's it's cool to like come in and, and it not be like you know, a bunch of jaded musicians that are kind of like, you know, been there, done that, toured the world, made a load of money, done all this. And it's like, it isn't like that at all. It's still very much a fresh passion to kind of move on to the next thing and be like, right, how can we make this better than the last record? And we've got kind of, almost a couple of new challenges now obviously you know with me coming into the band and stuff like that and they, you know Charlie was new to the band for the last record and in my opinion that's one of the best records they've done so I actually think that Five Finger Death Punch as a band has still got a lot to kind of say musically as a band and, and kind of grow and evolve I don't think it's a negative thing at all I think it's a totally positive thing um, the way things are going at the moment I certainly don't feel like I've come into something where I'm like oh you know you, you know it's like when people sometimes say to you like be careful what you wish for you know what I mean like when you kind of like finally get to where you feel like you want to be and then it's just not what you think it's going to be you know but I think my goals in life are different anyway they've never been like financially driven or like for want of a better phrase ego driven I suppose I've always just wanted to kind of go out there have fun do shows write some cool music and I don't know make some sort of dent in the world because we only have a short amount of time before you kind of it's all over and at least to have done something that people will remember I suppose that's kind of that's it really and something I'll be proud of and I won't be like on my deathbed going oh I wish I'd have done this that and the other you know so yeah I mean I, I never thought in a million years I'd end up in like a one of the bands that I've you know, been a fan of for so long but it's funny how things work out I mean I only met Zoltan about six months before I actually came out on tour with them anyway and I think he'd been following me on Instagram that's the thing about Zoe he's like he doesn't do like a huge amount of like lead guitar or shredding or stuff like that but he appreciates people being good at whatever they're doing it doesn't have to be guitar it can be anything I guess me and Charlie knew knew each other before he joined the band because we'd already done a tour together so I think they were having like a discussion about you know guitar players just music in general and my name came up I guess he then contacted me about another band that he was looking after and was kind of asking me about guitar players. And we kind of got, you know, talking about that. And then it turns out the band was uh, the Butcher Babies, right? Because they they were looking at expanding their their band members and, you know, maybe going in a slightly different direction. And I think uh, that's kind of how I got involved with that whole thing was through Zoltan because he was helping them out a little bit. I came back to LA after we'd been to Arizona. I was like just kind of hanging around, uh, staying with my old manager in Glendale. And he was like, oh, do you want to go out for dinner? So we did. We, we went out for dinner for like four hours, just me and him like chatting and realized we kind of like got on really well and and uh, and stuff like that. And I was quite surprised actually at how normally was, you know, just talking about stuff. Music. He's just generally a music fan, you know what I mean? So it was like the whole perception of the rock star thing and that had died pretty quickly once you kind of just start having a normal conversation with someone. You realize they're just, you know, normal i mean it's not as if i'd never like met anybody that you know done stuff before quite a lot of my guitar influences growing up i've actually become friends of mine now so it's kind of like it's just weird how that happens kind of starstruck thing goes out you just kind of treat every scenario as uh, as it's like okay it's just one person having a conversation with another person and whether you kind of like vibe or not i suppose i don't know whether it helps that we have the same birthday and like we have a lot of the same outlooks on life and and stuff like that i suppose and maybe it just stuck in his mind because he already knew me as a guitar player anyway fast forward five months i think i just randomly get a text message one day going what's your uh what's your music retention like and i was just like 
I don't know, what do you mean? What, like, learning songs? And he was just like, yeah. So, that's what I've wanted to say. Well, no, he... Uh, <laughs> I just, like, I was just are like, are well, we kidding, or will this be held against me later, what? <laughs> no, well, I, I, I didn't want to jump the gun and go, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I was kind of like, oh, what are we talking here? Like, just remembering songs and stuff. I mean, this is, like, paraphrasing. I don't know the exact... I can't remember now, because it was a year and a half ago. But he was just like, yeah, because I might need you to learn our live set. I'll have someone, like, send it over to you. And because and, uh, Jason was having a few health problems. And I think in order for them to, like, continue doing the tour rather than cancel it, because they were on tour with, like, Megadeth and Bad Wolves. It's not a big arena tour, you know what I mean? I think the last resort would have been to, you know, had to have stopped, packed up everything and gone home sort of thing. And they really didn't want to do that. So I think he, he reached out to me and was just like, yeah, do you think you could do it? And I was just like, well, I mean, I wasn't going to say no, but obviously in the back of my mind, I was thinking, fuck, you know, this is going to be a challenge, right? So he sent me the set anyway. And I, I knew the songs, but I'd never really played any of them. So I had to kind of figure out the, the tunings and, you know, some of the solos and stuff like that. And it's funny, you know, because I think Five Finger Death Punch have like this image in a lot of people's minds that it's like, it's kind of talentless or it's sold out or this, that, and the other. I don't know. You just hear and see so many ridiculous comments people make, probably based on the fact that they've heard one song and don't know that actually every individual member of that band is talented as fuck. You know what I mean? And like, they just so happen to be successful. But if they were going to do a death metal album, they probably could. When you're kind of sitting down learning some of that stuff, I mean, obviously Jason's a great player as well. So it's not like the easiest thing to sit there and, and learn and go, yeah, this is a piece of piss. You know what I mean? Yeah, I had a couple of days to go through that stuff and, and get it as best as I could to then come out on tour and try and do an, a, a convincing enough job where it would fit in with the level of musicianship with the rest of the guys, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, that was a hairy moment because the day later I, I had a plane ticket waiting for me. <laughs> it was almost a bit like fucking, you know, the film Rockstar where he gets a phone call and he's just like, there's a ticket waiting for you at LAX, you know, to come out and audition for the band. And that's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> like, I've been a fan of this band all that time and then all of a sudden I get a phone call from the band to go and go and do it so yeah i got out they had a couple more shows and then that was it we were in germany and my first show came around and <laughs> it was like up you go then <laughs> just get on with it so yeah I, it went pretty well like i mean I, even like the first gig you know i was kind of like the rest of the guys were so cool like i remember when we were sat in the sultan's dressing room and ivan came in as well because ivan was the only person i hadn't sort of met fully we'd said hello and stuff at wembley and that and chatted a little bit but hadn't really had like a full-blown conversation about what was going to happen and, and how things were going to play out and stuff. Ivan comes in, he just seems like generally excited and he's just like, look, you know, we really want you to enjoy this and, you know, obviously we want this to, to go well because we've got these shows to do and nobody's looking at you kind of judging to get off, fucking hell, you know, fuck that up, did this and the other. So it was like, they made me feel really welcome and I was like, okay, cool. If I just play the songs as they're meant to go, look like I'm having a good time. Because that's the thing. I mean, it's not as if I didn't have a good time, but for at least the first three shows, I was thinking, fucking hell, because there's just so much going on to remember, you know what I mean, with that type of production and, and everything. So, yeah, it took about three or four shows before I kind of really forgot about the fact that I was, you know, filling in and, and just kind of like, I guess, finishing a tour for a band and started feeling like one of the guys in the band and actually going and, and doing the shows as if as if I was doing it like permanently. So... Yeah, by the end of the tour, you know, we kind of like had a really good feeling about it. I mean, I didn't know the internal politics and stuff like that with, with everything else that happened afterwards was not something I was like privy to. So I wasn't really involved in that. I just know that like some months later, there was murmurs of going, well, we're thinking actually that this could be more of a permanent thing. All I know is that get a phone call saying, basically, do you want the gig then? <laughs> I'm just like, nah. <laughs> I got, do you know what I mean? I got better stuff yeah. to be doing with my time. <laughs> no, I mean, of course yeah. I said yes and, yeah. and, and that's it. But yeah. So I am so excited about, I mean, some people think something, some people think different things, but, you know, with a band that has been around for so long, you kind of get nervous. So people who have toured that long, to know, like, are they going to keep doing this for us? Are they going to keep, you know, like giving up their entire year for us? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. As a band, you always wonder that. So I loved hearing new phase of the band. Yeah, I think yeah. every Five Finger Death Punch fan is going to be so excited to hear that and to hear that you're not slowing down, you know, just like, you know, we go in, we play shows, we do you know, we make money, yeah, yeah. we go places. And the fact that he's like passionate planning for like the next phase, that's so exciting to me that's going to be so exciting for all these other five finger death punch fans to hear all these yeah. out in the world like that's that's cool the way i think about it as well is like, like you say using that terminology of like the next phase of the band because i don't see myself as like jason's replacement 
necessarily because I'm not going to come in and try and play like him and you know because I, I suppose I could I mean for the first seven years of my career I was like a guitar impressionist for a long time for Nick Library like playing other people's stuff and trying to sound like them so I think that would kind of be a mistake you know it's like he has his sound, he has his approach and, and everything that he's kind of put to the band. And I think that's such an important period of like, you know, where the band started and, and where they've come to now. And it's just like, I feel like this is the next phase of that band. And then I'm going to be taking that role and, and bringing what I do to the table. And I think the rest of the guys in the band are, are excited about where that can potentially go. Here's the other thing as well. It's like, they're never going to let anything go out of the studio that is that sucks or isn't isn't what they would want to do or their vision anyway. Do you know what I mean? So my involvement or even Charlie's involvement, we bring something to the table to try and enhance what Death Punch already or do, maybe try and take something and like move it. I wouldn't say enhance because that would like imply that we coming in would make it better than before. That's not what I meant. I just meant that, you know, we could come in and take things in a slightly different direction, but build on. That's kind of what I'm, I meant, like build on the sort of sound and songs and, and the sound of the band that already exists. Yeah, it's definitely a new phase and less a replacement and more just a kind of next chapter. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's how I think about it anyway. I know there's probably going to be fans out there that be like, well, it's not going to be the same band anymore and this kind of thing. And it's like, well, I mean, in many ways, I guess they're right, but I don't know whether that should be viewed upon as a negative thing. I mean, at least until we do an album with this line up and then make that decision you know what I mean and then be like oh yeah you know actually this is kind of cool or it's still death punch but it's slightly different or or whatever you know what I mean so I'm excited to see what what will come out of this definitely but like I say you know there is definitely a solid committee that has always existed within that band that you know it's not going to sound like a completely different band you know what I mean it's not going to be like oh suddenly we're going to do some weird like psychedelic prog album you know it ain't going to be like that so yeah. it's still going to be still going to be death punch it's just the next phase of it you know? and I love that you were talking about uh, those first couple shows because but the questions I had in my mind, it's like, okay, did you, were you able to like, okay, look down, play. Oh my God, am I looking at the fan? Pyro behind me, smile at the crowd. Pyro I mean, behind yeah. me again, yeah. smile. Yeah. Da, 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 da. I'm playing, oh crap, the crowd's there, hey. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's not too far from the truth, to be honest with you. So yeah, like I mean, I'd never I'd never like wore in ears before. So I wasn't really, you know, too overly keen on doing that because I've always been like because Ivan doesn't either. And like for the same reason I've never done it up to this point, is that I don't like hearing myself at all, like when I'm playing live. I so I would rather sound like I'm in the next room and that would make me feel like I'm just not really aware of what I'm doing. And then for some reason or another, gigs go a lot better that way for me than they do when all I can hear is me and I can't hear anything else. So I was slightly nervous about that, but the guys are so professional, like the mixing monitor engineers that we had and stuff, they made everything sound great. So that was that was kind of a worry been and gone straight away for me. Because usually as well, like when you're wearing like in-ears and stuff, it can isolate you in terms of like you don't hear the crowd, you're not aware of any of the ambience going on, you're just getting direct feed of whatever's going in. Uh, whatever you've asked for so that can be a little bit weird as well but um yeah we get over that it's fine i mean you know in those types of venues and, and audiences it's so hard not to be intoxicated by that anyway and whether you're kind of getting the full thing in your ears or not so there's that i mean ivan's pretty lively on stage so you kind of got to watch out for that obviously there's pyro and stuff going but there is a manual guy that like if you can see that someone's wandered too close to the thing it's not going to go off but you know obviously all the, the rest of the guys in the band know when that stuff's happening so they're all going to be in certain places to allow that stuff to go off so it doesn't like ruin the show and you know again it was something that I had to kind of learn as I was going and then you know eventually so but no one got burnt so that was good there you go that's awesome yeah there was a few confused faces like when because that initial kind of let's just call it curtain yeah sheet thing kind of drops down and then you start playing and I immediately noticed that there was a few people in the front going who the fuck is that <laughs> that is not what happened what's going on what's good what's happening here ah. yeah so yeah. um i mean i put a post up on my instagram but obviously you know not everyone's gonna mm-hmm. gonna see that and i think death punch instagram and facebook or whatever they did put a thing out saying oh uh, this is what's happening so that was that so at least it wasn't like yeah. a complete surprise moving forward within that tour that lineup had changed intermittently for that that was kind of it as well but then again I, I wasn't like thinking oh fucking hell you know i was just like look you know these people paid to come and see the band they're paying to come and see a show so that's what you got to do you know and it was kind play of play the songs i'm gonna look at the crowd and i'm gonna watch the fire yeah yeah <laughs> so, yeah and that's <laughs> 
and then bearing, and bearing in mind all the other stuff as well you know what I mean so yeah, yeah it's a long way from playing down the local pub I know that much exactly but it's... I haven't done that for a while either so it's kind of like <laughs> it'd be weird doing that now you know going just playing in front of 30 people in a in a pub but some of those gigs are still the best some of the best gigs you can do you know mm-hmm. would you go do that now if there's like a bar doing open mic <laughs> well if, yeah I mean I don't know about that but I know if I you know in downtime or whatever I probably will because I you know a lot of people have asked me about whether I'll continue doing solo stuff and instrumental stuff and the short answer is yes I'm going to continue doing that at some point when there's downtime and we're not touring or we're having time off or whatever then I dare say I'll probably go out and do some stuff and then that probably will be more pub club venues unless for some weird reason that becomes a, a bigger thing but I don't know that thing in my career you know the instrumental thing the guitar thing is always kind of like run simultaneously with trying to do a band as well and then the band kind of gets to a certain point fails and then I just kind of carry on doing the, the instrumental thing I'm kind of glad I did in a way because I suppose me carrying on doing that I ended up on Zoltan's radar from him scrolling through Instagram and going oh yeah who's this guy you know follow sort of thing so I guess if I kind of wasn't still doing that then I wouldn't have been as present maybe online as I have been doing that stuff so funny question would you rather be a rock star now or a rock star back in the 80s <laughs> I don't know I don't know if I'd been a very good rock star even back then um, <laughs> I mean uh, now I that I'm I mean, older I'm, and old I'm like god that sounds terrible like oh I couldn't do it what about you I don't know I mean I've, I've had my fair share of like um tours sleeping on the floor in a van pissed out your fucking head staying up till all hours going and do like some mad shit and just probably wouldn't do now but yeah so I don't know I mean my life's never been like Motley Crue out of the dirt The Scandalous Podcast is written and produced by me edited by Chris Payer if you like the show please tell a friend or rate and review on iTunes Follow me at Scandalous Official on Instagram and at Scandalous Says on Twitter. If you have any comments or feedback, feel free to DM me on Instagram or email me at press at scandalousofficial.com. I have Scandalous merch available at scandalousofficial.bandcamp.com. If you want to support the show, patreon.com slash scandalouspodcast. And until next time, rockers, I'll see you later, metalheads. <laughs>